witticism. Colloquialism. Segway. You're such an egotist. Yes. By the way, guys, I'm really humble. Well, how do you do? Now when you get for free. Oh, God, it's awful. You're listening to Bad Philosophy, episode 164, Destroy the Past. I'm Kevin Saunders, and you're not. Hey there, hi there, and ho there. Uh, I screwed that up anyway. I don't know why I put an and in that. Uh, hey there, hi there, ho there. I'm Kevin Saunders, and you're listening to Bad Philosophy. Uh, I am your host. I'm here with uh, guests uh, for the very first time in a very long time. I'm not entirely sure the last time we recorded an episode. Uh, I feel like June of 2015, uh, which puts this at about eight months previous. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that sounds... You're supposed that, to interrupt me as I do the intro. That's oh, I'm, my bit. I'm sorry. That, I if you're, if that I'm the new you, you have to be the new me. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad... F- that's oh, not, man, that's not the bit. Uh, okay, fine. Nah, Steven's here. Kevin's here. Steven's actually not here. Steven's in Canada. <laughs> Kevin is here. Uh, and as I'm the host of the show, I'm wherever here is. Uh, Steven is in, Can- in Canada. Uh, Steven Torrance, who has been on uh, what I... Not even ironically have been calling a vision quest when people ask me what happened to Steven... And uh, we're certainly glad to be back. We're certainly glad to have him with us. And he's brought with him uh, what I suspect will be an absolutely amazing guest. Uh, Anna Huertas, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, say a little bit something about yourself. Um, well, hi, Kevin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so something about me. I am Spanish, so uh, I hope you enjoy the accent. And um, I am the president of the Spanish transition movement. I'm also a permaculture teacher. What else? Worked in international cooperation and rural development. And before that, studied international relations. All of that sounds absolutely amazing. And I'm sure we will uh, we'll dive into some of that uh, as we talk about what we've been up to for the last year or so, because this is uh, our annual Bad Philosophy New Year's Eve episode Woo-hoo! recorded live on uh, what some would consider New Year's Eve if you don't have a calendar. Uh, it's like Chinese the, New Year's Eve, right? Or close is to it? it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not Chinese. I know it's about this time of year. Mm-hmm. So we could go with that. Uh, it is currently January 25th, 2016. Uh, but the year starts when we say it does, because it's not a new year without a bad philosophy New Year's episode. Those of you been following along with the, uh, the rules change system that we've implemented a very long time ago, uh, you'll know that I'm now responsible for hosting, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's... Let's just start off, Stephen. Uh, so I don't know if we've actually mentioned this on the show, uh, because I think you told me after we recorded the last episode. Uh, where did you go, and what have you been doing for the last year? Well, Kevin, uh, it's it's been quite a ride. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I have, and, and I just want to say officially and on an episode that will probably be somewhat real time. Um, I, I do apologize for my part in these uh, updates, like not coming out anywhere near anything like timely. Uh, <laughs> you know, my wanderlust kicked in. Uh, and, and that's really all there is to it. And I could say a lot more, but it, it's that I, I don't, I never did a gap year. Um, I found myself in a place in my life where I, I didn't have a job. I had some money saved up from working at Apple, working at the startup that if you've been following the show, you uh, probably heard about. Um, and I was looking for like, you know, really doing some deep soul searching and, you know, looking at my own privilege and what am I, what am I capable of? What do I, what is, what am I passionate about? Um, and it, it's really, a, it's funny how much it is a follow on from what you and I talked about in episode, I think it's 152, Kevin, where like sure. I was ranting I'll take about your word for that. all this like, you know, why can't we change things? And then at yeah. some point, I think offhandedly either I or you said like, you know, maybe we should go live on a commune. And <laughs> I think that seed just, you know, it finally germinated like a year later. It was, it was April the following year that this really kicked in for me where I was just like, you know, I've, I've never, I don't really know what that feels like, right? What does it feel to live in an alternative community? What does it feel to live in community period with it, with a capital C, you know, an, an intentional community? Um, mm-hmm. What is it, what is this thing called permaculture that I've just, you know, read about maybe on Wikipedia? Um, what is this, this edge of people trying, like, like me asking the same questions, how are we going to live after there's no oil? 
Um, how do we transition to a type of economy where we're more local in the food that we produce and buy? Um, how, how do we begin to, to live uh, a life that is fulfilling for us on a personal and interpersonal level? And I've found um, a small but growing movement that, you know, it's, it's a little bit outside of the mainstream, but not too far out, um, yeah. as I found <laughs> really viscerally. Um, and, I've, and I've been traveling among it as best I can for the last seven months. So practically speaking, that looked like um, Scotland and the UK for a couple of months, um, wrapping up at the, the permaculture convergence where mm-hmm. I met Anna, uh, and then spent about a month and a half in Spain and Portugal, uh, continued on to uh, to Germany briefly uh, in the fall, beautiful time of year. Uh, revisited Poland. Uh, some of you all might recall the whole sign language thing. Uh, I went back I, to there. I do, and, I recall that. Yeah, uh, visited some friends there. Flew to uh, to Italy to um, a community in, in the north, north of Turin. Uh, spent some time with my mom in, in Israel, Palestine and then uh, flew back to Spain and finally here to, to Canada around the, the new year, where I'm, we're, both of us, we, we could maybe go into more detail about this, but we're working with uh, an international permaculture teacher named Jillian Hovey on uh, kind of a, a getting her technical life together in a way that allows her to do more of the thing that she does well. And uh, we could go into more detail on that, but that's, I mean, I, that's me, I, that's what I, I've been doing. You know, so. We're going we're gonna to get into your stuff eventually. We, okay. got, we got time. We're going to ignore whatever predictions we made last year and just talk about what we want to do going forward. So uh, we got a little bit of extra time. So I'd love to hear from from both of you, uh, sort of where you are right now, uh, be it you know physically, be it uh, you know emotionally, be it whatever you're doing, and and why it matters. Uh, because I'll be honest, this is a, this is an area that I know uh, very little about. Mainly things that Stephen has linked to me. Uh, when he's like, Kevin, read this thing. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I get around to it a couple months later. <laughs> uh, and I certainly understand uh, the idea of sustainability in a very broad sense. Uh, but what I lack is sort of the details of the practicality of it. And I'd love to hear some of that. So, well, you got your second master's in this. Okay. So I'm going to keep it over to you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That master's was so bad. Don't study in France. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Not to France, but I've been to grad school, so it's basically the same everywhere. Imagine everything you hated about grad school, but in French. Yeah, that doesn't sound better. Right. (laughs) Much worse, trust me. Anyway, so um, it's interesting that you brought up the idea of sustainability, because, of course, everybody thinks they know what sustainability is. I certainly do. Please prove me wrong. very Very few would actually be able to define it, so I don't know. You're the philosophers. Do you want to give it a shot? Of course not. (laughs) Continue, please. We're the bad philosophers. We expect no substitute. Right. (laughs) So when people look at the things that don't work in in the system that we live in currently, call it poverty, call it corruption, call it environmental degradation, call it even mental illness, People ask themselves the questions, well, what are we doing wrong and how can we live in a more sustainable way? Whatever sustainable means. You dig a little <laughs> bit deeper and they... Yeah, we'll define that later. Yeah, basically. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you would see that people don't really think that the way they live isn't sustainable. It's more everything else is unsustainable. Everything else needs to change. Everything else has nothing really to do with me. It's somebody else's responsibility. So there's an oil spill somewhere. Oh, well, yeah, it's terrible and the environment is suffering a lot. But I want to continue taking my car to work every day. Mm-hmm. And that's sustainable as long as I can pay for it. Yeah, that's, or, that's valid. Uh, or yeah. I love to have pineapple for breakfast every day. And that's sustainable as long as you can pay for it. And the pineapple gets to the supermarket. What if so tomorrow? Were, yeah, okay, keep going, keep Sorry. going. Sorry. <laughs> Please got a stop me I if I go like in a rant and, and stuff. Um, this is the reason why my parents look at me and go like, where did we go wrong? You were meant to be a diplomat and a ballerina. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> never too late. Well, mm. <laughs> so what if tomorrow there was not, maybe not, no more oil, but the price of oil was unpayable. 
What if you mm-hmm. could not get to work? What if you went to the supermarket and there was no more food? That's what a certain more extreme uh, wing of this movement is asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, the people who are in the degrowth movement, they say it's not enough for things to be sustainable or rather in order for things to be sustainable, we need to reduce dramatically our consumption. Of course, that makes most people cringe in fear and alarm yeah, like, can, oh my I God. I can certainly see why. Yeah. <laughs> no pineapples for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean I'm not going to be able to use my car? And maybe, um, maybe this uh, rings a louder alarm in cultures like the United States, where mm-hmm. people probably depend more on their cars than they do in, in most of the cities in Europe. But still, mm-hmm. in Europe, people would, would also just scream around and, I mean, if and you're, probably if go If you're crazy. talking, you know, peak oil sort of situation where the, the, the energy doesn't exist anymore, that doesn't just affect cars. That affects all sorts of transportation methodologies that we have in the world right now. So, yeah, I certainly see that. It affects everything that you do and have yeah. and eat. And yeah. in some ways are. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a more creative and human response to this challenge other than telling people hey tomorrow you just have to quit your job and try to find a piece of land and farm and Mm -hmm. grow your own food because it's not like it's that easy to get land even if you wanted to even if that was your dream true then that's where other movements uh come in like permaculture Mm -hmm. do you want to say a word about permaculture it's a philosophy and it's maybe more specifically a design philosophy that incorporates mm-hmm. it, it networks together things from a lot of different places so it's it's a pattern um, it's a it's a it's a web work it's a framework and generally the kinds of things that it's pulling together um, and the ways that it's pulling them together are in this direction of uh, how do we create a permanent culture that's where the word comes from Sure. And, and not permanent in the sense of unchanging, but permanent in the sense of um, able to, to regenerate and continue the same way that, that uh, life itself does on the, mm-hmm. on the planet. And the same way that humans have been able to for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years up until very recently. You know, we have a yeah. very impermanent culture now. And some people would say that's a virtue, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. it's not a virtue when, you know, things like things that feel very permanent, very consistent, like an oil-based global economy, are discovered to be not so permanent, right? To be a <laughs> pattern that is that is very fragile, right? And especially yeah. fragile given the kinds of changes that it has brought about in our climate and the kind of diminished predictability that is coming. Um, mm-hmm. People say global warming, global cooling, all of this. It's more like uh, global we don't knowing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's change coming. right and uh permaculture is it, it incorporates a lot of things to help someone begin to think about a response but i would okay. say that um that's how okay so that's my definition yeah a very uh, a short <laughs> a short uh, phrase to define it is how do we put all the different elements ar- that surround us um available to us, how do we put them together so that all beneficial relationships are maximized? And, um, and I really like that you brought in two, two very interesting ideas. One of them is uh, not sustainability, but regeneration. So as we said before, what is sustainable? Well, maybe sustainable at this point is not enough. What we need is to regenerate, to increase the good things to just go back to a more natural biorhythm. And the second one is uh, resilience. You didn't mm-hmm. call it that way, but mm-hmm. resilience is the capacity of systems to absorb and adapt to change without crumbling. Mm. Yeah. So we, we have a saying in, uh, in this field that if it's not fun, it's not sustainable. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering, Kevin, would it, I'm, I'm 
getting back to you know you you being the host and, uh, and, and wanting to kind of take this in in the direction. Yeah, this is easy. I just ask a question and let y'all go for like twenty minutes. I mean, we do like to rabbit trail on bad philosophy, right? Yeah. But I'm also really curious how the last year has been for you because we've checked in, but I don't think you really have. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I so uh, the changes in my life are, I would say, uh, not as dramatic in terms of like uh, I live in the same apartment. But I've I've had a lot of opportunities to uh, not in small part spurned on some by some of the things that you've done, Stephen. Uh, sort of uh, reflect on my environment, as it were, uh, not as much in in a uh, literal sense, but more in uh, sort of a, a metaphysical or philosophical sense uh, of sort of the things I consume. And uh, this sort of transitions into it being the New Year's episode. Uh, this is the first time I've sang this like in a public forum. Uh, but you're familiar with my, my 52 book challenge that I have every year yeah. uh, and have successfully for the past, uh, three years, I believe 2013 was the first year I, I did it 2013, 14, 15. Yeah. So I've done it for three years now, uh, read at least 52 books, uh, across the duration of the year. That's not necessarily one a week because I multitask. Uh, there are currently one, two, three, four, five books on my desk that I'm reading at this moment, not to mention the various ebooks or digital books that I have access to. I juggle books. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, but this year, I've decided to sort of take a different perspective on that, which is to say, uh, I want to expand my perspective. There was a moment, uh, it was in grad school, so it was four to five years ago at this point, maybe more, uh, that I sort of realized that intentionally or otherwise, the majority of the media that I consumed, uh, specifically this was related to my DVDs, was con is is created by uh, and stars straight white dudes. It's that classic that classic triumvirate. Uh, I counted. Uh, I, ha I have a 500 plus DVD collection, and I counted under seven movies or TV shows I had that had a primarily female or not straight white dude protagonist. Uh, which which was a, an epiphanatic moment, but I didn't actually do anything to change that anytime recently. Uh, so this year, uh, there's a there's an author, uh, K. Tempest Bradford, uh, who put out a challenge a few years ago to stop reading books by straight white men, uh, and so I decided to do that this year, uh, just because I can. Does she uh, does she give a list of books in her hmm? article? Does she provide a list of books in her article? Uh, she recommends some. Uh, but part I of think the challenge... I, read, I read one of her articles before coming yeah. to Canada, like three weeks ago. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, uh, I have not actually read any, anything other than that particular article. Uh, but I, I certainly respect it, and I read that article. And uh, the, the article is at, was actually originally on exojane.com, uh, which said, stop reading straight white cis male authors for one year. And... The, the thing about it is not to say that, oh, you can't, you know, read these things, but it's sort of the realization that that's mostly what's out there and that part of the challenge and part of the interesting thing is trying to look harder and search harder for those sorts of things and find those perspectives that you don't otherwise encounter when a publishing field that is dominated uh, at least 80% by a group of people that make up less than 30% of the population. And uh, so far, it's been a successful year. I've uh, read about four. I'm at about four books for the year so far, so I'm pretty much on point. And those other five that are sitting on my desk all all qualify. And uh, one of the things that's really interesting to me that I think ties back into our previous discussion or current discussion. It's all one discussion. Uh, are the works of uh, Octavia Butler, specifically. Uh, the, the novel that I'm reading right now, which is called The Parable of the Sower, which uh, is set in what I would, I would almost describe as the, the permaculture nightmare, uh, which is to say that it is, it is a society about 10 years from now. Uh, the book was actually written uh, in the mid to late 90s. There was actually two of them. But uh, it was set in what's now about 10 years from now about a world of scarcity and scarcity these sorts of resources that you're talking about Anna of oil of food of these sorts of things and sort of people the book is about this community uh, that was originally was it was a gated community uh, in an affluent suburb of somewhere in Chicago maybe I don't know uh, I'm probably getting that wrong it's probably clear in the book and I'm just being dumb 
uh, who are who are having to find these sorts of things out about sustainability or about recreatability or about finding a ways to survive in a world where that's no longer an option. And they sort of exist in this world that is is not just gated off, but now walled off. They've built a wall, they've reinforced it over years, and don't really leave uh, except for very occasionally because the outside world, which is has even less, is uh, dangerous. And it's sort of that collapse of society mindset. And the, the protagonist is very much saying, you know, even though we are at this point, everybody else is still sort of being blind to where things are going. And she's sort of trying to prepare for that, whereas everybody else is just saying, well, we're just going to wait till it gets better. Uh, you know, someone else will fix it. Someone else's problem, as you were sort of saying, Anna. So hearing that uh, definitely resonated with me. Uh, and one of the things I love about about science fiction in particular is the ability for it to, uh, as as Cory Doctorow says, uh, speak to the present. Uh, you know, even if sci-fi is about the future, it's really about the now. Uh, it, it's really good at predicting what's going on in the world today uh, rather than any sort of indication of where things might be in the future. Uh, so that's one of the biggest things. I've also started running, uh, which is that's huge. <laughs> is weird. Uh, I've downloaded the Zombies K Zombies Five K Run app, uh, so I get chased by zombies to keep me motivated, and I've been doing that. I I don't think I ever remember you running ever. Like uh, no, <laughs> never. Uh, that was that was my slogan when it came to running. I only uh, run if there's a bear chasing me. Uh, and while there's not a bears run app, there is a zombies run app, and that's close enough. Yeah. Uh, and I'm about I'm not quite halfway through the zombies five k program, which means in about another month or two, uh, I will be uh, hopefully running or jogging. I'm a jogger. I don't I don't like run run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will be jogging a five k, uh, hopefully soon, and then continuing that. Mm. Uh, without any particular goal of like, oh, I want to lose a certain amount of weight or I want to be certain I want to be healthier. Uh, it actually started because I was bored, <laughs> which is the weirdest probably reason anybody's ever started an exercise regimen. But it gives me something to do when I get up in the mornings. You know, I'll wake up at 6 a.m., go run for 30 to 40 minutes. And then I've like got the rest of the day ahead of me. So if nothing else, it's an alarm clock. Nice. And, and I'm curious, do you still have the, uh, the three New Year's resolutions? Uh, the, the classics, what were they? Uh, grow a beard, eat less salad and don't explode. Mm -hmm. Uh, so far those are still pretty on point. Uh, last year I actually had the opportunity to grow a beard, uh, between January and December because I shaved it all off, mm. uh, at about this, almost exactly this time last year when I was doing some cosplay as Hellboy. Uh, so I had to regrow my beard. So I felt that one actually accomplished. Uh, I don't actually keep track of the number of salads I eat anymore, uh, <laughs> but it's certainly not a lot. I don't eat a lot of salads still. And uh, my physical embodiment still exists. Uh, it has not disincorporated through any sorts of uh, fire explosion means at all. So I'm, I'm still on point for those. They've kind of become that point that everybody wants a New Year's resolution to become, where it's not something they're trying to do. It's just something that happens. Nice. That's, that's really good to hear. I, I mean, especially the not exploding part. I think, yeah. I think I speak for all of us. We're it's a classic. Very happy. It, to segue off of that, um, the experience of actually growing a beard. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> Which I can totally relate to, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, has, it has been interesting. Um, you know, a lot of d new discoveries, um, you know. <laughs> Feelings and, yeah. and growing my hair out, which uh, for those of y'all watching the video, you can see I've, I've got the longest hair that I've ever had in my life ever and the longest yeah. beard that I've ever had in my life ever. Got nothing on me still. Oh, yeah. No, I've got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> uh, someone asked me, I did the math recently, and I've been growing my hair uh, poorly, I should add. Like, I don't take good care of it, and that's a problem. But I have, I have not significantly cut my hair since I graduated, uh, since technically the semester before I graduated. Wow. Graduated uh, I college. Cut, I cut my hair, uh, graduated undergrad, not grad school. I cut my hair at that point in time uh, as part of my student teaching gig because my advisor was like, look, uh, you're in West Texas. And you're going to go work in a West Texas high school. I don't care, but they will. Uh, uh, and so I went to a Great Clips or a Sport Cuts or something and was like, just take it all off, do whatever you got to do, uh, and did not cut it again after that oh. uh, in terms of any sort of significant work. And sort of 
Uh, for a while, it was sort of, you know, big middle finger to, you know, making me, making the man, making me cut my hair. But now I just, I like long hair. I always have. You know, it's, I'm digging it so far. It's, it's not yeah. like I have long hair, but every time I, I shake my head, it's like a new sensation. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you have an iPhone with a slow-mo camera, it's really fun to, uh, to shake your hair in slow-mo. Oh, you gotta do that. Uh, if you haven't done that, I certainly <clears throat> recommend it. Uh, that's true for anybody with long hair. Okay. Uh, or if you don't have long hair, just wiggle your face and go, and that's great on slow-mo as well. <laughs> Both of those are the really only need you have for a slow-mo camera. Oh, I, I resonate with that. I'm, I'm giving you this is in community. They do this a lot of uh, okay, like like you know, fairy fingers. Like, it's a way. It's a way of being like, yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. I dig that. I grock yeah. that. See, like the instead, instead of clapping, yeah, jazz hands. Jazz hands. I resonate with that because we're in the uh, as as our our <laughs> teacher would put it, we're in the ecology uh, with a few uh, kids of, of various ages, five year old. 12 year old and 16 um and over 10. and 10 over over the few houses that we're we're staying in and uh the the 12 was it 10 is it eli 10 eli is 10 eli is 10 um i did he he suggested i do the slow-mo thing to his face and uh that was just a <laughs> really popular so thing cool. at the dinner table and it's um, the best it's, it's, oh, it's so cool <laughs> it's so great and if you can combine the wiggly face with really long hair oh uh it's it's pretty amazing gold absolute gold yeah well, a hair whip into a face wiggle is is probably the best video that it will ever exist. <laughs> um, I I have a question. Unless you you wanted to follow up, sure, on that, Kevin. Sure, I'm I'm host in in name, but uh, <laughs> that means that I can let you ask me questions. So go ahead. Um, what? So I was kind of checked out of pop culture for like the second half of 2015, and really yeah. like like the second two thirds. And of- he survived. I did. I, <laughs> You can I, do that? I barely yeah. survived it. I don't know how... Like, I, I heard about... Uh, well, David Bowie was in 20, 2015, but, like, I hear about that kind of stuff through people. You know, it's it's uh-huh. it's a really weird way to, to hear about uh, news, you know, rather than, oh, yeah, I saw that on Facebook already. So what what did I miss in, in 2015 that, uh, that you think I, I would care about or um, not care about? Wow. <laughs> It's cute that you think that, like, I'm plugged into what pop culture thinks. <laughs> well, I just remember uh, from the Apple store that that stuff is just a lot more present. And, like, people in, in the Apple group tend to, like, grab onto trends a lot sooner and, and just be much more... Uh, and, and, you you know, you're swimming in consumer culture, right? So people are... It's just, like, in that. the field. Uh, yeah, well, if, if I'm swimming in consumer culture, I'm like that fish that doesn't have a word for water sometimes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know uh, the big things are right now... Uh, that I'm aware of are, are more cultural trends rather than any sort of like pop culture stuff. Or oh, yeah, okay, uh, I guess what I mean by that is just like yeah. not alternative culture, <laughs> just like <laughs> culture, right? Uh, the X Files came back yesterday, so that was exciting. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, watched the first episode of that. That was neat. Was it um, good? Hmm. Uh, not not great. <laughs> um. It was not one of the X-Files' better episodes, but certainly not one of their worst. Okay. <laughs> uh, as someone who's only ever been sort of a casual X-Files fan, uh, I, I watched it occasionally when it was on originally. Mm. Oh, everybody loved uh, Mad Max Fury Road except me and Amy? And mm. me. I hated it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I thought it was a serviceable action film and little else. Uh, I, I, I'm curious to hear what you thought, Anna. Um, well... It was recommended by three different people whose Mm -hmm. choices in movies I generally respect. Sure. And I didn't want to watch it (laughs) in spite (laughs) of that because they said, you're going to like it because it's a feminist movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's a load. What? Uh, No. A feminist movie? Uh, Okay, I admit that I watched it when I was like almost dying from the flu and whatever. (laughs) But still, <laughs> I was it's like, it's not this... better when you're conscious. <laughs> <laughs> the film was, um, I, I haven't watched any Mad Max film before, but it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Sadly predictable, like very predictable. And although some, like the main female characters character was a bit more defined, 
you don't really it's like oh you know she was hurt as a child so now this is like revenge and there were there were some nice touches here and there but otherwise um it was horrible <laughs> i thought it was it was disgusting and i horrible. have a strong feeling you and i are going to get together get along really well uh yeah and um, you know from the permaculture point of view the po- the moment in the in the film when they open up the um, the waterway for the water to fall i was like yeah dude you live in a desert what are you doing with all that water the worst possible way to deal with that <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree on most of those points. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all the people saying that it was a feminist film clearly have never seen a feminist film. Yeah, they don't know what uh, feminism means. It's just no, there. <laughs> uh, I mean, Charlize Theron is fine, but the movie was still totally from Max's perspective. Like, it wasn't even a, a, a female centered film. Uh, it was all about his gaze and his perspective of the events, and the fact that everybody's like clamoring for it to be- for it to get best picture uh, is a little bit disappointing to me. Oh wow! It did get nominated for best picture. It did. Uh, it did. Uh, so you missed that. Uh, I think it did. <laughs> wow! I'm, all right. I'm now ninety percent sure it did because you've made me doubt myself. We, we just uh, but I'm pretty sure it got nominated the, uh, for best picture. To the, the Academy Awards episode from two thousand nine, ten. Nine, I think. Uh, Time we, is meaningless. Yeah. When we had uh, uh, Eric Braden on, after he... Sure. Had, and talking about Slumdog Millionaire and all that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to have to rely on you for Oscar nomination news and... Uh, news and I'm, I'm so vaguely aware of the Oscar nominations. <laughs> um, I know they came out. Mm. Uh, I'm... I'm not. I don't think you realize that I'm not actually plugged into anything. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, this is actually really heartening to me. So I'm. I'm well, wait. Um, we should talk about Star Wars while we're talking about movies. Of oh yeah. Course. Star Wars is fine. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Did you see it? Did yeah, I did. It? I saw it in Israel with with uh, with Hebrew subtitles. Oh, I remember. I saw the I saw the uh, the it, Instagrams. Yeah. Oh, I've been. But this is a brief aside. I've been taking um, every Friday. I've been taking a photo of this uh, armadillo named Barton, which I would mm-hmm. totally show on camera. But he's he's downstairs. Maybe I'll go run yeah. run get him. Um, you know what armadillos look like, people. Yeah, you know. But you know, in front he's of movie so posters. He's so cute. You have no idea. I'll go. I'll go run get him. But uh, yeah, Star Wars. I I found it to be you know a solid four you know maybe three and a half like I, I gave it a b yeah like it was it was fine you know and i really didn't expect to walk out of the star the, this really overhyped movie going yeah that was okay you know but it was like all right uh, <laughs> that was certainly the most star wars film i've seen in the last 10 years totally and it it totally it reinforces maybe something i've said on the show before which is jj abrams is like an expert at fan service and, and is yeah. like iterating that with every movie. And, but that's to, really uh, all he's good at. <laughs> yeah. I will say I am I am still excited for the next Star Wars, mainly because it's being directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, hmm. who is a director that I, I do respect a lot from. Uh, his other previous films have definitely impressed me. Uh, didn't he do Brick? And, he did Brick, uh, Brothers Bloom. Um, Looper. Looper with uh, Bruce Willis and yeah, uh, Looper, Gordon-Levitt. Uh, which I didn't think was his best film, so he's, he's, his trend's not great. Right. Uh, uh, he also directed two very famous episodes of Breaking Bad. Oh. Uh, he, he directed the episode Fly, which was an entire episode dedicated to killing a fly. Oh. Uh, which was pretty good. Uh, he also directed Ozymandias, which was the second to last episode and many considered by, considered by many to be the absolute best of the series. But I also didn't really like Breaking Bad, so what do I know? <laughs> well, I'm um, looking forward to that one then. I just I was reminded of the Star Wars thing by the... Um, we were talking about... People talked about Star Wars being kind of uh, more feminist than any of them before, which I can guess we, it is. Yes. I, haven't, I haven't watched it, but can we talk about that? <laughs> Uh, being the most feminist Star Wars movie does not mean much. That's that's true. <laughs> and and that uh, uh, what is it? Ray was somebody called the Screen Junkies review called her. Uh, she was a Mary Sue. Yes, as in like a, a and, character and that arrives fully formed and just kind of perfect for no reason. And yeah. that Charlize Theron's character in Mad Max Fury Road sounds like a similar thing. Where like that's oh, there's a female in in this really powerful role, but. 
she's actually and she's not, not washing the dishes. <laughs> wow. But but that it's like, but she's not an interesting character. So it's like not a, not enough. Wait, it really is, is not there enough. is there more than one female <laughs> um, character? Technically, yes. Okay, uh, do they talk three? to each other at some point in the movie? Okay, we've talked the about movie, the, the movie. The movie only <laughs> barely passes the Bechtel test. Exactly. Yeah. So only. Barely. <laughs> and yeah. But which even is, if, which as we've, even if it passes the Bechtel test, that doesn't mean it's feminist in no, of course any not. way. No, that's, right. It just means the that Bechtel there are women who talk to bar. each other. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the low bar. You gotta, you gotta go higher uh, to actually become a feminist film. So Star Wars happened. Um, yeah. What else? What else, Kevin? What What else crossed your radar that was that was really cool? Um, oh, the TV show Making a Murderer. I'm watching on Netflix, uh, which just is funny to me because it's a TV show. It's a documentary, first of all, which you don't see many documentary TV shows, but it's a documentary um, about how the the justice system in America is broken and corrupted. Uh, and the funny thing about that to me is they, like, people are standing up and paying attention because it happened to a white guy. Uh. And, that, and it's really about, like, not that what he's going through and has gone through and is in jail for uh, a very suspicious case where he, many people think he did not do it and there's a lot of evidence saying he, did, he didn't. Um, but, like, those of us who've been like, the criminal justice system has been broken for years are kind of like, finally. Finally. <laughs> So it's like Thanks. it's like Serial, the TV show. Oh, quite quite a bit like Serial, the TV show. Uh, many people are calling it Serial Season 2 because the actual Serial Season 2 people aren't finding is interesting because it's not about a murder mystery. Uh, it's it's a deep investigation into the Bo Bird Godal case. Which, for our non-American listeners... Yeah, Bo Birdall was a... As I'm learning from listening to the... I didn't know who he was before I listened to Serial Season 2. No, Non-American uh, and non-English speaker. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a uh, soldier in the army in Afghanistan who left his post intentionally and uh, was captured by the Taliban for five years and we eventually traded him uh for some prisoners at gitmo to get him back and many people uh consider him to be a traitor many people consider him to be a hero uh but it's a very complex story and really what what serial season two is doing is using that case in my opinion to examine the larger conflict in the middle east and what the u.s's role in that is mm. but it's not a is he guilty or not sort of Scenario, so a lot of people are like, I don't know, things that are complex scare me. <laughs> Welcome to reality. Use, use permaculture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> permaculture is all about understanding complex systems. Yeah. Um, integrating complex Integrating, uh, yeah. Not, there's <laughs> integrating. no understanding. It's just, you just it's do, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do something. <laughs> I'm putting a bunch of stuff here. Oh, look, it's doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, we we're probably some two of the very few people in the world who can do like permaculture inside jokes. So we should really not do those on bachelors. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> we should just get Kevin initiated. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know, Kevin. Do you have any interest in in permaculture? Uh, I'm glad that it exists. Is that, <laughs> is that enough? We should we should get him in a PDC. Yeah, we yeah. should. We should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. I'll teach it, Kevin. You're you're gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> PD, PDC is is one of the only. Is it the only TLA of the of permaculture? What's TLA? <laughs> Three letter acronym. <laughs> Three letter. It's acronym. sort of a. Yeah. It's Three a recursive. Acronym. No, there are there are probably more than that one, but yeah, it's but, permaculture design course that gives you yeah. like the basics. Yeah, I remember you went to one of those before you uh, went to Iceland or Greenland or Scotland or yes. some other oh. land. I forgot to mention that I went to Iceland first. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I I would, you know, if we're getting into into uh, talking about like gated communities and, you know, what if the apocalypse happens, where do you want to be? Um, I would love to just go to Iceland because they're on an island uh, and they have like an unlimited amount of energy. It's not so great if the for the climate reasons, right? Like it could either be much warmer up there or much colder and that could change very quickly. So the being on an just island. Just put thing, a coat on, you'll be fine, right? 
Yeah, that's how it yeah. Works. <laughs> just just spend all, all all your time in the hot springs and just yeah. just build a house in the hot springs. Like why yeah, not? I don't I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, temperature is an illusion made up by the government. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna run downstairs and get Barton so I can introduce him to the, sure. the video folks. So I, I have no idea where the conversation will go. I don't either. have to be surprised. <laughs> I didn't know where it was going to go when I sat down, so this is no different than where we were previously. Um, I'm all yours, Kevin. Cool. Uh, here's, a, here's a question uh, that I think is, is permaculture related. Uh, you mentioned previously uh, that if it's not fun, it's not permaculture. So I guess, uh, having followed Stephen on the interwebs and some of his updates, uh, I'm curious to see another perspective. Uh, what Permaculture is clearly a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, there's a lot of energy that has to, put into, to be put into that system over time to make it work successfully and continually. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, what does leisure look like in permaculture communities? What is, what is fun? What is social? Uh, what do you do when you're not working as hard as you possibly can? Kevin, what do you do for a living? I teach people how to sell electronics. All right. And how many hours do you work at that? Far too many. How much is that? Uh, 40 to 50 hours a week. All right. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, actually. Uh, I, I get a lot out of it because I enjoy teaching. Great. So imagine if you could teach. Because if what you like is the teaching, then you can teach anything. But mm -hmm. only devote to it the amount of hours that feels good to you without any external imposition, something that's more self-regulated. And that mm -hmm. the rest of your time, you can dedicate it to making your life look like you would like it to be. I'm not saying that your life doesn't look as you want it to be. <laughs> but but we'll, uh, we'll stipulate. But let's, let's stipulate. And living in a place that you really enjoy living in. And surrounded mm -hmm. by people that you like very much, that inspire you, and that are willing to support you in anything that you want to experiment with or try out or whatever. I'm getting the hard sell over here. Keep going, I'm interested. So um, that's, a, that's a bit the the idealistic point of view of what permaculture could achieve mm -hmm. but that's the whole point it's like let's use permaculture as a systems design you don't work hard in permaculture permaculture is just a way of organizing things but let's use permaculture to organize our time our resources our interests our passions the people around us so that we can live healthier lives Really, we can live more happy lives, essentially. That's, that's the whole point. What does le leisure look like? Well, for me, devoting four hours a day or less to working in a vegetable garden is almost le leisure. Okay, I come from Spain. It's sunny, warm, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> what do I do the rest of the time? I don't know. I play the guitar. I read books. Um, I talk with Steven. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I can, can I paint a, a picture of, of what life um, looked like for me in one of the communities that I visited? Go for it. Sure. So imagine you really, really love making smoothies. Mm -hmm. You love making smoothies uh, so much for, for yourself and, and for others that um, you, you just really want to do it every single day of, of the week and, sh and share that, that love and that product with, with everyone in your immediate community, which is about 50 people. And uh, you live in kind of, a, kind of a pine forest community with a you know, few, few buildings around and some sloping uh, grass-covered hills, some gardens around it, a uh, nice big town square. Um, people kind of go around on bicycles. So you, you get up at 7 a.m., and go around with your scissors and you know the dew is still on the on the grass and the sun is just coming up through the trees and you're you're snipping out the the plants that would be considered um unwanted the the weeds uh from the uh the garden area from the fields those are the best <laughs> they're you know things like stinging nettle and and dock and dandelion you know these these you know plants that people just the gardeners just rip out uh, and mm -hmm. you, you see them a different way. You see that they are so tasty 
that you want to get the best ones every morning. You, you go out, you, you gather a couple, three handfuls, bring them back to your, to your house, and uh, there you've got kind of the, the leftover scrap um, cutaways from things like the, the quince fruit and the, the bananas and uh, the apples that the, the community has, has given you. And uh, these are all these fruits are all still good, but they, they look a little bit ugly, so nobody really wanted to, to eat them. You throw mm-hmm. those, those fresh plants that you just cut in with that, that fruit, and you blend it all up. Uh, using power generated by the the photovoltaics and the and the wind there in the community, uh, and then you pour all of that that delicious, nutritious, green, wonderful into some milk jugs that you then put on the back of your bicycle and ride to each of the buildings in the community uh, and leave there. Uh, for the people uh, to as they they get up and uh, go about their gardening jobs or their woodcutting jobs or their um, or their whatever kit, kitchen duty they're on, they have their green smoothie and are charged for the day. And the rest of the day, you spend you know maybe a couple of hours uh, helping in in the garden. You spend a few hours reading about uh, community building process, uh, play the piano for a little bit. And then uh, between these, you're you're eating meals prepared by the other people in the community eating some of the food that you helped grow yourself. And in the evening, you all get together in, in one of the buildings for uh, a dance uh, and drumming session uh, for the Syrian refugees that happen to live uh, a half a kilometer away from you. Um, and then you, you turn in at, a, at an early 9 or 10 p.m. and, and get up and, and do something like that the next day. And that's your life in a permaculture community. Okay. I did. I did. <laughs> it's not. It's not always that I did. <laughs> but this is literally. Uh, this is the story of, of of someone who who I met in one of these communities. This is how sure. he lives his life at at fifty years old, and uh, it's you know variations on that for years. And he's one of the happiest people I've ever met. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, oddly, uh, or perhaps not. Uh, I I bring things back to media a lot. Interestingly. Uh, reminds me of another novel that I read recently. This actually read late last year called The Dispossessed, uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with the works of Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh, definitely. Uh, I read her uh, version of the Tao Te Ching uh, over the course of 80 days <laughs> last year. I didn't, I didn't know that she had a version of the Tao Te Ching. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, she's a, she's a, a, a fascinating and brilliant author uh, who's, you know, still, you know, all of her works are amazing. I've I've only... Sadly, read uh, that particular novel, although it made me definitely want to expand and, and continue. And one of the five desk five books on my desk is another one of hers, which I'm going to tell this via story because that's what I always do. Um, at some point in, pa- in the past, somebody asked me, you know, why isn't there very much utopian science fiction? Uh, we don't see a lot of that. We see a lot of dystopian science fiction. Dystopias are hot right now, uh, which again, science fiction is good at predicting the present. And uh, in sort of my search to answer that question, I, I came across The Dispossessed, which is uh, often called, or even subtitled, An Ambiguous Utopia, uh, and is the closest thing I think I've read to a truly utopian novel, uh, short of the, the novel called Utopia, which is not a novel, it's didactic and yada yada. But the, the society, or one of the two societies that the, the, the novel depicts is a group of uh, anarchists uh, and, and true uh, anarchists who not, not in the way that it sort of gets thrown around today where be, whereby it's, you know, blowing up buildings or throwing things down, but much closer to uh, the sort of anarchism that uh, Emma Goldman spoke about and others of her time, uh, that sort of turn of the 20th century anarchism and, uh, you know, I could go in and do an entire description of the novel, but the answer is just read the novel. But oddly, what you described very much sounds like uh, life in that world, uh, which which is certainly fascinating and certainly uh, enticing, I'm sure, to many people. Uh, so I'm I, I'm interested in hearing more about that. We are running a little bit short on time. You can't probably teach me everything about permaculture in the next nine minutes. I'll link but, off too. I have a longer article about um, about this community that I visited in, in Germany. Yeah, I, I, can, I, I read it like an hour ago, but I did. I wanted you to tell your story. <laughs> Thank you. So, how do you want to spend the last uh, fifteen minutes of the show, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. 
We have that rule about pretending to be somebody else that I don't like. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> we have that. I don't like it, and so I recommend passing on it because I'm oh. the I can do what I want. Oh, I know who I'm going to do. Sorry, I got I got a character Yeah. Picked. So we okay. have to spend like, you, like go ahead. three to five minutes pretending to be someone, <laughs> like, like a character. Um, yeah, uh, technically the rules have someone we've met in real life, which I think is the problem I like about it the least. Oh, <laughs> Well, I think it counts if you meet people through uh, through the internet, right? Yeah. What are people anyway? What is what is meeting? <laughs> yeah, we are ph- bad philosophers after all. So, how about just make you know? Do do you have someone picked, Kevin? Uh, not at all. No. Uh, none, none whatsoever. Because I'm bad at this. Does Barton count as a person? Yes, Barton, yeah, totally. You Barton's can be Barton. totally a person. You can be my armadillo. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I'm I'm not bad at making up people, which is what I do on my other podcast. Hi, Barton. Mm-hmm. But actually, like interacting and pretending to be somebody else uh, feels very weird to me, uh, and and somewhat disingenuous, which is interesting because I think the rule that was suggested when we made it was to be more genuine. Yeah, by uh, by by authentically like mirroring somebody else, which is. Interestingly, sorry, I've got. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tie this back around into into. Sure, my I believe you. Um, is that many communities, including the one that I that I mentioned just now, have these practices of um, of interpersonal work that are integral to the community working well. Mm-hmm. And and interestingly, a lot of them reminded me of of in in pieces and bits and pieces stuff that we learned at Apple. You know, think, ways of communicating and and kind of you know this idea of positioning things and. Uh, feedback and all, but it's really taken to, you know, the nth degree. And one of them is a practice of, um, in a particular way, allowing someone to come up into the center of a circle and present something that's going on for them and to really act it out as authentically uh, and truly to to themselves as they possibly can be. Uh And then with with the rest of the community, just, just being there, just holding the space for them. And then they can, if they want to, request a mirror where someone can come up and act out what they f- saw happening with that person, you know, embodying the character of that person or maybe something within them that resonated with that. And mm-hmm. so it is a way of like that, that kind of impersonation is a way of getting to a more authentic sense of, of oneself. Interesting. Yeah, I, would, I would argue that's, that's very different when it's invited uh, than when <laughs> it is, it is uh, imposed. So, so should we just uh, defy the rule set? I, I, I did. I'm maybe this isn't the best time to bring this up, but I'm okay with just like dropping the whole rule set thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm totally fine with that too. Yeah, okay. Why did you guys even bother with that? Like, <laughs> uh, that was that was an experiment. And, yeah. like, uh, I, I did read end. the rules. Maybe I'm like the only person in the world apart from you two who has. That's how much I love you guys. Uh, and I was like, oh. <laughs> we should we should mention on the show that Anna started listening to the episodes of backlog of bad philosophy without me ever telling her about it and like completely on her own and so she's got good google foo yeah and i've had a lot of fun and you guys have accompanied me in my many road trips (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. she's up to episode uh 23 or so (laughs) oh wow uh so way back when we were even dumber than we are now (laughs) Very. I think we should have a whole episode on like your perspective on on bad philosophy. Honestly, <laughs> just just yeah. give me the microphone. You know. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go listen to. I'm, I'm going to go look up what episode twenty three was, just because I have bad philosophy pulled up. It's whatever one was uh, called. Uh, but is it science? But is it science? We didn't finish it though because we got into a three hour discussion. We actually <laughs> yeah. we actually had like a follow on discussion from that episode that was way better than the episode itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which happens. So yeah, I guess we're we're gonna skip that whole uh, rule that we impersonate people. Then um, yeah, I'm o- I'm okay with dropping the rules. Like I'm I'm okay with that. That's not a thing that we uh, need to great. keep. I think it was. I I honestly think. Uh, I mean, you probably remember that that meandering conversation we had before we implemented it. Uh, that the idea was that we were struggling to come up with what bad philosophy was, but really it was you struggling to come up with what you are. Yeah, and uh, I guess I've sort of continued that journey uh, outside of the rule set of bad philosophy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
So yeah, sir. maybe since it's technically the New Year's episode, we should talk about predictions for 2016. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That's a thing. Uh, what will happen in 2016? Go, Kevin. Uh, I was going to just say that to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do I think will happen in 2016? I'm mirroring it. I'm, I'm reflecting it right back. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I hope will happen in, in 2016 is I will play even more board games. Uh, I I don't know if you know, but that's that's taken off even more so in what I do. Um, like that's what I'm gonna do for my birthday in a couple of days, uh, is bring some people over. But that's uh, it's a thing that I have fun doing. I have fun engaging people with and uh, building my collection, such as it were. But on on a global scale, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say Donald Trump's gonna win the presidency, and the world will even be worse off than it currently is. <laughs> Okay. That's, I'm gonna go with that. We're gonna go with the pessimistic route. Wow. Okay. Um, I uh, I'll go last. Go go ahead on it and say again what you just said to Kevin because I don't. Think I, w- I was just saying that I love you, Kevin. You're really cool <laughs> when Thank you were you. talking about the board games. Um, yeah. We just put I think it out. I, I have like within reach. I have probably three or four. Like there's there's one right here. There's one in my pocket. <laughs> what, was that like the world's tiniest board game? Uh, it was not. Uh, it was a very tiny board game, but not the smallest. <laughs> um, I have a, a game that I, it's it's not a game I invented, but it's a game that I made my own copy of called Win, Loser, Banana. Uh, <laughs> and I always have a copy of Win, Loser, Banana in my, in my wallet. It requires three cards, one that says win, one that says lose, one that says banana. <laughs> uh, I always have that in my wallet. Um... I'll actually put some of them up because I'm packing for packs and I'm planning on bringing them with me. Uh, but this is this is a game called Mint Tin Mini Apocalypse, the one I currently flashed up there. Mm. Um, it fits. I'm going to try and hold that up for the camera. <laughs> um, it is a little bitty tiny game uh, that fits inside of a mint tin. These are the instructions for it. <laughs> Does it come uh, with that's... a magnifying glass for the instructions? <laughs> no, no, they're they're reasonably sized. Okay, that's like six point font. Yeah, probably uh, it's, small. It's it's probably like eight. <laughs> but I this is this this is also part of my quote unquote everyday carry because uh, you never know when yeah. you're gonna want to bust out a board game <laughs> uh, because I'm a gigantic nerd. <laughs> um, that's also that's have, another reason why we love you, Kevin. Yeah, that that's reasonable. Uh, no, micro games are a passion of mine as well. Uh, the guys that made this one, I helped kickstart this one. I actually have two others that I'm going to pick up eventually. Uh, Mint Tin Aliens and Mint Tin Pirates. Um, I have a, there's, there's a game called Iota, which is in a slightly larger box than this. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have games inside of games. I have like a game that came in a big cloth bag, and I put three other games inside of it. Nice. You know what they say about men with small board games? They're not compensating uh, for anything. <laughs> no, no, we just like having fun on short notice. Totally. Okay, Anna. Cool. So it's my turn yeah, for... We've stalled years. long enough. Gosh, you put me in the spotlight and I don't know. <laughs> um, so 2016... Um, I'm just going to be more positive and say that all these like alternative ways of living are going to become more and more prominent and slowly maybe not it's not going to be a global trend yet but slowly little towns little small cities will begin to like move towards this road of more generative regenerative uh lifestyle and practices and politics and stuff and other than that i don't know probably the climate will continue getting worse and (laughs) spain will become a desert all that standard stuff yeah Mm -hmm. all that standard stuff and the u.s will fuck up at some point oh sorry i said oh Uh, (laughs) uh, it's all right can we we say that i've been wasting my time this whole time (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we can say that now and i and i'm not bleeping it anymore (laughs) Which is, yeah. maybe we should do an episode on that. How did fuck become, like, okay to say pretty much anywhere in, in the it? time that we've been recording Bad Philosophy? Yeah. I don't say it that often. Oh. I only say it when I speak in English. Yeah. Well, maybe. that's reasonable. <laughs> uh, I have no problem with, with it. Like, I, I think in, in an episode on the, the idea of language and foul language and 
minced oaths and things like that would certainly be fascinating. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I noticed that it doesn't really get censored as much as it used to. From, from what you I also are in, have been in Europe for nine months or seven months. Oh yeah, it's not really a curse <laughs> word over there, is it? <laughs> well, hey, we are big in Scandinavia, so we, we yeah, don't need to bleep yeah. anything, right? Uh, so. it's a, the same way that saying "bloody" here is very different than saying it in the UK. Yeah, that is bloody true. A bloody true fact. I, it just I sounds really, weird when you say it. <laughs> you know, 2016, we didn't do like personal predictions and and big predictions to get. I mean, you kind of you kind of did, Kevin. I kind of did because whatever. Anna, you didn't do any personal. Any ones, personal so, yeah. predictions? Um, well, hmm. you can skip that if you want. It's they're totally, totally no, no, fast. it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think uh, Stephen will ask me to marry him by the end of the year. Whoa. <laughs> That's For example, uh-huh. now it's your turn. Um, Sorry, are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. So <laughs> all that stalling for nothing, Stephen. <laughs> you can see I've really changed. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> This one's this one's worth watching on video, y'all. <laughs> are you going to keep the video of it? Are we going to do that? Are you, I'm assuming you're putting all the work into this one, just like always. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my own podcast to edit now. Mm-hmm. Catastrophic, everybody. Yep. Catastrophic dot horse. Why dot horse? Why not? <laughs> I, I'm just reminded of bad horse when you say that. Reasonably. I'm okay with that. Is bad. What if somebody owns bad dot horse? <laughs> this is a thing we have to check. You need now. to register bad dot horse if it's not already registered. Well, one uh, of the other it people- looks like it is. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, just just go to that website, Stephen. Okay, uh, I won't tell you what it is, but uh, <laughs> we'll somebody owns it. I'll leave it at that. It's illegal. It is totally legal, one hundred percent. Okay, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, I guess. So. This has been really, really wonderful being back with you, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Cool beans. <laughs> Neato burrito. Well, uh, our energy is uh, a bit dead on this side from a, a very, very long week slash okay. day. So. Yeah. Y'all probably work hard all the time. So. Yeah. Despite your utopian claims to the contrary well permaculture is a wonderful life where everything's happy and easy and fun and what you do is what you love and who doesn't want that it's you know the world is complicated (laughs) sustainability is complicated we're still working at integrating the complexity of of life get back to us in like 10 years (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) if they haven't figured it out by then we'll just quit right or, you know, go live in that gated community in Chicago or there something. There you go. Yeah. Get the band back together. <laughs> That's going to be an upcoming episode of Catastrophic. We're, we're just waiting on you to wrap this one up, Kevin, Mr. Host. Oh, you want, you want me to do it? Just because I'm the host of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and I can make it last as long as I want, as long as I don't say words to the effect of, thanks for listening to Bad Philosophy. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this time with us. I know we certainly did. Uh, there's certainly a chance that we will have more opportunities in the future to have episodes either live streamed like we're doing right now or just, you know, recorded via email where uh, I send a line to Steven, he sends a line back to me <laughs> until we've got an entire entire hour's worth of audio. Whatever. Who knows how we're <laughs> going to film these things in the future. Uh, but when we do, you can find us at uh, facebook.com slash badphilosophy, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. I myself am Kevin Saunders. You can find me at twitter.com slash kevzond. And I have to shamelessly plug my other podcast, Catastrophic, a fiasco podcast. You can find us at catastrophic.horse. Why not horse? Why not? Uh, of course, uh, Stephen, as always, I'm glad to have you with me. Uh, you're still at uh, twitter.com slash Torrance. Is that That correct? I am. S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. That's, that's how you say that. Uh, and Anna, we, as we discovered at the beginning of this episode, you do have a Twitter presence. Uh, what oh my god, Twitter I handle? do. <laughs> uh, what is it? I don't remember what mine is. Uh, it is A Huertas, H-U-E-R-T-A-S, 234. <laughs> Don't and follow me because I don't ever tweet anything. She, that's the best kind of person to follow. Take the timeline <laughs> real clean. 
She she is a spam account. Uh, she has the egg and everything. <laughs> yeah, you have a little, little egg. Oh, those are great. I haven't had an egg in years. I mean, I had one for breakfast, but other than that. Uh, so, as always, uh, thank you for listening. This has been Bad Philosophy. Use clean, renewable resources like the sun. Heaps of energy beaming down for free, feeding plants and trees. Make use of these kind of natural forces and use clean, renewable resources. Um, it doesn't have the rubber thingy on it because it fell off, but you should still be able to push it in and disengage. That's what she said. <laughs> All right, you're welcome. Oh, yes. You see, the future of energy is in predominantly biological processes. So be a clean, renewable investor. Oh, I should I should record the uh, the thing since I'm the host. <laughs> oh, nice. You, you, you know how you know the formula, right? Uh, no. Okay. It goes like this: Bad philosophy episode. Hum, hum, hum. Recorded on. Let me see if I got that. Bad philosophy episode. Recorded on. Perfect. It's the end of oil. Cool. Do you have enough post-show banter at this point in time? Definitely. You can stop recording <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> Badphilosophy.com Stop.